Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. I want to begin the the sermon this morning by reading just a few verses from John 17. We'll be in John 17 today as we continue our series through the book of uh, John. John 17, and we'll start in verse 15. I'm going to just read 15 through 17. John 17, 15. Uh, this is in the middle of Jesus, uh, it's called a high priestly prayer um, that we'll, we'll look at this morning. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, speaking of his disciples, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the, the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Uh, We'll pause right there for just now. From here, the disciples are going to begin the greatest journey of their lives. They're being sent into the world by none other than the creator himself, Jesus, as he gives them this mission to go out into uh, the world. Let's pause one more time to just pray again before we consider these words. Lord, we, we all come here, there's, uh, it's been a busy week, and I know there's a lot of um, family stuff going on and health stuff and uh, things to worry about, but Lord, I, I pray that you'd, you'd give us all peace and uh, ears to hear what you'd have for us this morning, that as we approach this text, that the, that the Holy Spirit would come and illuminate things and, and show us um, Show us where he, he'd like to, to shape us in ways or challenge us or, or uplift us and heal us in ways that as we leave out of here, your words in this uh, prayer and the communion with um, Jesus and the Father, that we would be invited into that, that unity and that love uh, and that challenge as well. And so, Lord, uh, open our eyes so that we can see what you'd have for us and, so, and soften our hearts so that we'll understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This, uh, this chapter is, is titled, The High Priestly Prayer of Jesus. As Jesus prays uh, really for three things. He'll pray for his ministry that he's just had on the world. He'll pray for the disciples that he's been given, uh, the 11 out of the 12 that we'll see. And then he'll pray for the third group of people. It's the people that believe on account of the words of his disciples, or the disciples of the disciples of the disciples, uh, and on and on it goes, down the line all the way to us. So John 17 is actually Jesus' prayer for us. It's Jesus' prayer for, for you. And so the treasures that await this prayer, it won't suffice in just a 30-minute message. This is a prayer that I know the disciples must have gone back over, over and over, and just, and just talked about and recited uh, and just had lots of cups of coffee as they uh, talked about this, this prayer. 
But before we get there, I want to set the message up by telling you uh, how Amy and I were actually sent as missionaries uh, to Slovenia. We were, over, we were missionaries in Slovenia for seven years, and it all started, that journey all started for me in college when I went to this conference, and at the conference, I heard this statistic that kind of sparked something uh, in me. Uh, it, it, it was said that there are uh, 97% of the world's youth live outside of the United States. So 97% of the young people in the world live outside of the United States, which means 3% of the world's youth live in the United States. And the other statistic was 97% of the Christian full-time youth workers, 97% of them work in the United States. So 97% of the full-time Christian youth workers work in the United States to the 3% of the world's youth, and 3% of the full-time youth workers work with the other 97% of uh, thing. That, something, in, something sparked in me in that. They're like, man, I, I, maybe the Lord would want me to do something in that. Now, I think there's lots of other factors. Now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, well, there's this and this uh, along with that as well. But, but that sparked something in me that led me on this journey uh, over to Eastern Europe. And so I spent a lot of time over there. Actually met my, my wife, Amy, over there on a missions trip. And from there, we ended up uh, heading to the mission field. So we chose this organization called Josiah Venture. Josiah Venture works in Eastern Europe. It was after the fall of communism in 89 uh, that Josiah Venture started and said, we want to reach this next generation uh, for Christ. So the the vision of Josiah Venture is to see uh, a movement among the young people of Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. I know that vision because I lived that vision uh, for a long time. When we decided to go with Slovenia, uh, uh, as missionaries, we had to get a missions organization to support us, and there's so much training we had to go on. So for a year, that first year we were really married, we, we, we had 11 round-trip tickets to different places. As we had to go to Wheaton to know our missions organization and find out how you do all this stuff that they required. Uh, we had to do language acquisition training where we had these mirrors and had to learn how to learn another language. Uh, and it was completely humiliating, but also really good to learn another language. We took Bible classes. We went through conferences of Sun, Sun Life. We went over to Slovenia and met our team uh, over there. So we had so much training that first year. So we decided to go, and it was like a year and a half before we ever got to Slovenia. We were being equipped for the mission that we had at hand to reach the youth of Eastern uh, Europe. And by about halfway through it, I'm like, I am so ready to just go. All we're doing is being equipped. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And the moment we landed in Slovenia, when we touched down, I felt I'm equipped for the mission at hand to reach the youth of Eastern Europe and especially in Slovenia. And it was that first day that I realized, wow, I don't know anything. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't know the language hardly at all. We, we needed a ride to get somewhere. We didn't even know where we were going to live. We didn't know how to get around places. We didn't know where to buy, like we knew how to buy food because there's like signs. You could figure that out probably too. But, but we didn't know how to like get anything or do anything over there. And what we found out is that every day we lived over there, it was like the Lord was equipping us for this mission that he had given us to reach the youth of Eastern Europe, specifically in Slovenia and specifically in the towns that he had on us. We knew what our, our mission was, and we were being equipped for that year before, and even every day we were over there for the mission that God had for us to reach the youth of Eastern Europe, 
to reach the youth of Kran, Slovenia, to reach the youth of Shinshur, the village we lived in. We knew what our mission was. Now, as you'll see today in our text, you're going to see that God is actually equipping each one of you for a mission that he has for you. God has a mission for each one of you that's following him that he is equipping you for. Now, you might be thinking, look, I'm not going anywhere. I got my job. I got my family. I got my, my kids. I actually have a big mortgage on my house. I can't go anywhere. Or maybe you're even thinking, like, I don't know if the Lord has a mission for me. I don't know if he's really calling me because if you knew my past, you might say the Lord might skip over me and go to the next person. I haven't had any Bible classes. I haven't had any training. How was the Lord calling me? How is the Lord equipping me for a mission? And that's really what's going to take us back to our text today as we are going to see that Jesus in this intimate prayer with his Father is going to pray for you. And the mission that he has given you. But, but this mission can't fail because Jesus is praying for you. The mission that he's given you, Jesus has prayed for you. And not only prayed for you, he's going with you. He's keeping you. The mission that he has given you, it can't fail. And he's just asking, are you going to come along for the ride? Or are you going to miss out? Uh, so let's look at this prayer. Uh, the high priestly prayer. And the high priestly prayer, I think people most times have, have coined it this uh, because it's as if uh, the priest in the Old Testament who went into the holies of holies, intercessed for all the people and sacrificed for the people that this is what Jesus is doing. As the high priest, as he goes to the Father, this holy of holy places, and intercedes for the people, but not a sacrifice that's going to have to be repeated again and again. He's going to sacrifice himself for the people to make Away, Jesus, in this high priestly prayer, uh, prays for each one of you as he goes to the Father. This in the Bible, uh, we get a lot of times that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, but we don't know what he prayed. And there are times we get little snippets of what he prayed. This in the whole Bible is we get a glimpse into the Trinity as Jesus relates with the Father. It's as if this holy of holy places that no one can come in, Jesus goes, come on in. So just, just imagine coming in to that holy of holy temples and as you hear Jesus commune with his Father on our behalf. Let, let's, let's just read the whole thing. John 17, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and they gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, 
and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you had given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because of, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. May God bless the reading of his word. From that prayer, Jesus will go on to uh, the garden where he will pray again and then he will be uh, arrested, he will be tortured, and then he will be killed. This prayer is this like intimate scene of Jesus with his Father. Uh, and there's three areas that he really prays for that I already mentioned, but worth mentioning again. The first thing he prays for is the ministry that the Lord had given uh, him. And then he prays for the disciples, the 11 disciples that the Lord has given him, that, that the Lord would, would keep them, the Lord would walk with them, that as they're sent to this world that's going to hate them, that they would be protected and provided and, sh and shepherded along by this really good Shepherd, And then he prays for the disciples of the disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples down on to us. He, he prays very explicitly uh, like all these things he wants for, but he also says, this is what I'm not praying for. Did you notice that? 
How often do we, do we pray, and I'm not praying for this, and I'm not praying for this. But Jesus, he does several times. He, he says, uh, I, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. He's saying, uh, I've got a mission for them. There's something that they are doing. So I'm not asking that you take them out of uh, what's going to potentially hurt them or walk through very serious times. I'm not praying you take them out of that, but, but protect them through that. And then it, he, he, he doesn't even pray for the people that will, like, oh Lord, and would they please listen to the words of the disciples, and would they please believe in me? He doesn't even pray for, for that. He actually, uh, like, he assumes that. People are going to believe because of the disciples' words. Mission done, mission complete. But what's not complete is the equipness, like how equipped the disciples are in that. So, so he ends up praying. He says, I don't want, don't take them out of the world, and I'm not praying uh, for the world. Uh, and I'm not even praying f- that people would, be- would believe, like, oh, Lord, would it please that, that somebody would believe? I, that's just assumed. There's going to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Lord, would you equip the disciples for the mission I have for them? And, and, he, and he prays for basically three areas. Three areas of being equipped for the mission of sharing the gospel. And, and here's the three areas that we're going to talk about as we walk uh, through the uh, Jesus' prayer. The first one is he's, he's praying that they'd be equipped uh, to be sanctified. Everyone to say sanctified. 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 Uh, he's also praying that they would be unified. Everyone say unified. unified. And the last thing they're asking that, that they would be equipped, that they would be glorified in this world. Everyone say glorified. glorified. Sanctified, unified, glorified. Now we feel like we're in a good southern church, right? Sanctified, unified, glorified. And the prayer is not just for the disciples, but for the disciples of the disciples. This prayer is for us as well, that we would be sanctified, unified, and glorified. That when people see that, that when we're equipped for the mission going out there, uh, that, the, that God's going to bring people to us. And we're going to be making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and that we could actually be a part of that. What a cool thing to be invited into uh, the life of the Trinity in our mission in our world. So let's look at each of these three. The first one is sanctified. You are being sanctified. Jesus prays that they would be sanctified. Now, sanctified uh, is a very churchy word, and I don't know how often you use it in the rest of your week, to be sanctified. Uh, So let let me kind of explain sanctification for you, what it looks like. To be sanctified is just a very uh, simple term. Uh, It comes from the word holy, and it means to make holy, and even that's a churchy word. So holy means set apart. So to be sanctified is someone who is set apart or something that is set apart for a certain purpose. Uh, here's a very clear example. When I was thinking of what, is, what do I have that's sanctified in my life? And I will tell you, these shoes I'm wearing are sanctified because these are my church-going shoes. I'll show you right there. They, I actually had them in the box for like a, probably two years that I wore them on Sunday and then put them back in the box. These shoes are set apart for a certain purpose. And that purpose is usually a formal gathering or church. It's my going to church shoes. Uh, they're sanctified. They're set uh, apart uh, for that. So, so that's why I wear them. I don't wear them hiking. I don't wear them walking through the mud. I don't wear, wear them playing basketball. I don't wear them for all, like going to the store even. These are my going to church shoes. And, and I've learned that over the years, but I didn't always know like what sanctified mean or being set apart mean. Because when I was a young kid, my mom had uh, sanctified clothes for me for church. Do you know that? 
Those are going to church clothes. But as a kid, I'd put on these sanctified clothes, these clothes set apart for a certain purpose. And after church was done, I was gone outside in the yard playing pickup uh, tackle football or wrestling or whatever with all the other boys. And, and my clothes would get dirty and they'd get grass stains on them. And the thing that had been set apart for a certain purpose, I had taken and used just for whatever. They became all of a sudden normal clothes until my mom would bring me home and go, these are your going to church clothes. Don't get them dirty. Has anyone ever heard that? I mean, my, a few people, like I know my mom had going to church clothes. So she'd have to bring them home and then she'd wash them up, put them back in our closet. And we didn't wear those clothes through the rest of the week because they were sanctified. They're set apart. These are our going to church clothes. The disciples for Jesus, these are the, they want them to be sanctified. They're set apart for a certain purpose. Look at John 17, 17. It says this, sanctify them, set them apart, make them different, make them holy, shape them in a way in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And for your sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And do you see what sets believers apart from everyone else? Do you see what makes us different? What cleans us? What shapes us? What... It's the truth. And then he defines what the truth is. God's word is truth. So as people who are being set apart for a specific purpose, the thing that's, that's molding us and shaping us and cleansing us and renewing us is the Word of God. So the more time we spend in the Word of God, the more time the Word of God is in us and changes us and shapes us and makes us look different. It's the Word of God that should make Christians set apart from the rest of the world. It does not say uh, your opinions or your preferences is what should set Christians apart. It, it, it's nothing other than the words of God. This is a slow process sometimes, right? It's a slow process to understand and learn. And there'll be times that you'll go out through the rest of the world and you'll realize, I have just I've taken my sanctification and I've thrown it to the world and I've done things that have made a mess. And so then we come back to the Lord and back to His Word as He challenges, convicts, shapes us and then cleanses us because of the death and resurrection of, of Jesus. You're sanctified. You're, you're different. Which means as you go to, to school, you, you might actually stand up for the kid that everyone else is making fun of. It might mean at work when everyone's joking at that one really dirty joke, you go, that's not really appropriate. I'm not going to just laugh at, at that. It, it might mean you look foolish in front of other people, but you're set apart because of the Word of God. He's doing this in you. He's working in you. He's shaping you. It's a slow process of what it means. These shoes would have been, if I was wearing them as a 7th or 8th uh, grader, they would have been dirty already by now. But, and I've kept them clean because I'm being sanctified my, myself. But understand what it means to be set apart for my purpose. And you too are being sanctified. You're being set apart for a specific purpose that God has for you in the world. Here's the second way that he's equipping you. Number two, you're being unified. Unified. Verse 11, John 17, 11 says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. 
Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And if you skip down to verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you, you picking up on the, the, the idea that God has? He wants you to be equipped. And how he wants you to be equipped is that you become one with this community of Jesus followers. That you be one. That unity demonstrates then Jesus to the world. You know, we have a lot of evangelistic events where we're trying to reach the world, but from the text of Scripture itself, it says there's no greater evangelistic event we could ever put on than how we treat each other this morning, than how you treat other Christians, than how a church treats another church, and how they talk about them. There could be no greater evangelistic presence than our love and our unity for one another. And hasn't that been challenged the last couple years? I mean, we don't, we don't mind being one as long as somebody is humble enough to realize that yours is the right answer, right? I mean, I don't mind if you're going to humble and you can disagree with me as long as you know that mine is really the right way to, to do things. I don't mind being one as, as long as you recognize you might be wrong. But when it comes to, well, maybe I'm wrong, it might just be easier if I just left, if I just went in separated ways. And then there's no... Uh, unity. It's much more difficult to be one with people who have a different opinion than you or perspective. And unity is something this world longs to see. It longs to experience. Uh, how, how do you get along with somebody who's different than you? How do you speak to someone who has a different idea than you? The world longs to see that. And that's where the church should be. You know, a couple, uh, I think it was weeks ago now, maybe months ago, uh, I went to a band concert at Barlow uh, High School. There's a couple of our guys there. Weston's actually, he's not sick too. And Jenny just had her surgery. There's so much health stuff going on. Anyway, uh, went to this concert, and so many of our young kids were playing. So uh, Josh was up there. Um, Weston was up there. Drake, I think he played. Viola was there. Elijah. Did you play? You didn't play? Were you not there? Okay. Anyway. But he plays. But anyway. And we get to this band thing, and they have like four or five bands, and I don't know all the different things, and there are different levels of them. And uh, my son Caleb and I are sitting there, and at the beginning of the band concert, they, they do this song that's absolutely horrendous that we joked about. Because everyone's warming up, and they're playing all, whatever they want to play. I mean, people are doing off rhythm. Some are louder. Some are talking. And so me and Caleb are going, this song is horrible. <laughs> it sounds horrible. And they're, they're warming up. They're getting, they're getting ready. But everyone in that instant, everyone is doing, um, uh, this is my assumption, everyone is doing whatever they want. There's no director. There's no song music. Everyone's playing whatever they want, and it sounds horrendous. You would not want to endure an hour of that. But as soon as the music started playing, and everyone, the director stood up and said, here's what we're going, you know, the little thing that they do. And we started playing. And all of a sudden, all the pieces, all the instruments are blending together. And it was beautiful. 
It like invited you in. You wanted to hear all of it. You hear the little flutes, and I feel like it's like a little butterfly across the, the stage. The, the drums were like pounding, and it's like, oh, you almost want to like move to it. And then you're like crescendoing up, if that's even the right word, up to this thing, and the trumpets are blasting, and you're like, ah, I moved to that. And the reason I moved is because there's all these unique, diverse instruments that are all coming together to play. But you know, there's sometimes that my son with his trumpet was just sitting there, and he wasn't playing at all. And then there were times that he lifted it up, and he heard it really loud, and then it was really soft again. They had to be humble enough. All these band people had to be humble enough to go, I'm playing a piece in this larger symphony. And that larger symphony is beautiful. But I wonder how often when the church looks at the church, they hear the warm-up of the band and go, oh, why would I ever want to go there and listen to this? But if they see the humbleness, if they see all of us playing off the same sheet music, the Word of God, if they see us listening to the director and going, yes, let's all come together, how beautiful that is. I love the tuba, but I do not want to hear an hour of tuba. I want different instruments in there as well. And as we step into relationship with the Trinity, we have a director, we have a playbook, if we would be humble enough to follow it. And that unity is what Jesus was praying for, something that we have to work for. The church is like a pack of geese. When geese fly in a V formation, they create this uplift from each other. A flock flying in formation, and I don't know how they discovered this, can go 71% further than an individual goose can. So if you're flying together in a community, the uplift, the encouragement, and how they do it will allow you to go further and reach greater distances than if you're going by yourself. So God is equipping you, whatever mission he's giving you, he's equipping you for the mission by actually unifying you with other people. But you have to have some humility, you have to have some recognition that I'm not good at this, but you know what? Bam, they're really good at it. So I'm going to pull them in as well. It's the community of Jesus followers, equipped and unified, that that he is going to use to reach this world with the gospel. So we're sanctified, we're being sanctified, we're unified, we're being unified. And then finally, number three here, if you're taking notes, you're being glorified. You're being glorified. Everyone awake still? Say glorified. There we go. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Jesus is praying this, the glory that you have given me, I am giving to them. I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. And I in them and you in me and that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The glory that the Father was giving Jesus, Jesus was giving to his followers. The glory that he was giving. Think of glorified. When we think of glory, we think of honor and power and, and and praise, and all these good things. But if you look through the Gospel of John, he paints a much different picture to that. There is honor, there is glory, there is being lifted up and highly esteemed. But John actually uh, attaches this word glory or glorified to a particular hour. And that's the hour of Jesus' death, his crucifixion. Uh, At the beginning of John 17, he says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify 
your son, that the son may glorify you. This glory is actually, I'm going to pick up a cross and die. Uh, Here's another example. There's several of them, but John 12 and verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. John, as he is uh, presenting what it means to be glorified, uh, we get this idea of this great high lifted up king, but also this suffering uh, servant who lays his life down. He picks up a cross and serves. It's this upside down kingdom where the greatest is the servant of all, where losing your life is actually gaining it. And Jesus prays, uh, Lord, this glory that I've given, I'm giving the glory to, to my followers too. And you're like, uh, thanks? Does, does that mean like I have to pick up a cross and follow him? Does it mean that I have to like serve people and become like the lowest? That's that's glory, and he's like, yes, that's what I'm equipping you to do, that I myself have done for you. So Jesus prays. Uh, He prays for the disciples and the disciples and the disciples of that. He prays for you and I that we would be sanctified, that we would be being set apart for a purpose. There's a lot of extra things today. I hope you're paying attention. (laughs) I'm trying to keep it. We're sanctified, we're set apart. That we are unified. It's all of us together. So your neighbors are part of our mission too as we're unified together and that we're glorified as well. But the question still remains, what's your mission? What are you being sent out to do? What is is God himself inviting you to go, hey, I left, but I left you there and I'm in you. My spirit is in you. So this is what I want you to do. Are you doing it? What's your mission Well, uh, when we came back from Slovenia, we were on mission every day because pretty much everyone who was there wasn't a believer, so we knew we were were there, we were being equipped to reach the youth of Eastern Europe, specifically in Slovenia, specifically in Kran and Shenshur. We knew our mission field. And when we came back to the States, I became a pastor uh, in a church in Gresham, uh, Cornerstone Church, and we had a bunch of uh, Christians around us. And I thought, oh, maybe my mission's over. Maybe God's not calling me anymore. Maybe I'm just one of the other people. Like, what am am I supposed to do? And there was probably a year that I felt pretty lost. Like, I don't know know what I'm supposed to do. Until the Lord, like, we were starting to pray through it as a family and as a couple. And like, Lord, what do you have for us? Like, what do you you want us to do? And, And he put us on 30th Street. And he put our kids in Kelly Creek Elementary School. Uh, And so we said, huh, those must be our mission fields. Uh, And so we we would spend lots of time praying uh, for 30th Street and all of our neighbors on 30th Street. Uh, We spent time praying for the teachers at Kelly Creek. We volunteered a ton at Kelly Creek. Amy was uh, on the parent-teacher board. I helped on this like site council thing. We reorientated our lives so that we said, Kelly Creek's our mission field. That's, we, want, we want to bring the gospel into Kelly Creek. We want to bring the gospel into 30th Street. So if you would have said, are you missionaries? I would have said, absolutely. We're being, we're being sent, not by Josiah Venture, but by our church to 30th Street and to Kelly Creek Elementary School. 
And so we prayed for them. We, we in, invited them into our lives. We, we actually, I didn't buy a ladder for a long, long time, so I'd have to ask my neighbor for a ladder. I don't know if you knew that, but I asked, asked my neighbor for a ladder. Why? Because it gave me a purpose to meet all of our neighbors. I still borrow Don's ladder from time to time. But that's our, I know Don. I should probably just buy a ladder by now. But anyway, <laughs> Don, as long as you're there, I'll just borrow your ladder. Um, uh, we, we just wanted to live and be missionaries where we were, and it, and it looked really simple. Uh, the neighbors just to the right of us, um, they had a cat that we watched, and if we would have sent missionary letter updates out, it would have been like, we watched our neighbor's cat this weekend, to the glory of God, isn't that great? And you were like, wow, it's really simple. But after years of living next door, uh, our, our neighbor came over with tears in his eyes one day and said, my mom passed away. Uh, they weren't going to a church anywhere. He knew that I, we were a family man, and he knew his mom really cherished family. So he said, would you, would you do our, my mom's funeral? Because I know she's a family person, really devoted to family, and you're a family person, so I think she would be honored if you did it. And I said, absolutely. Uh, after several years, uh, went over there, talked to them about the service. Uh, I said, is there any Bible verses that she would have liked or anything? They didn't even have a Bible. And I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. So I, I gave the service at the funeral and marked all the, the passage scriptures I gave and said afterwards, may these words be a comfort to you, and gave them the, their, their Bible. We had more conversations, more years passed by. So this isn't, didn't take, this took a long time. Uh, and several years later, uh, I had the, the privilege and the honor to baptize the whole family. Uh, into the church. They're now part of uh, Cornerstone Church. They're active in their small group. They went on mission trips to see uh, Christ reach our neighbors on 30th Street. I was like, oh, the Lord's using, he had a mission for us. He put us in, the, in that house where we were on 30th Street because he had a mission for us. And not only that, he was equipping us for this mission. Now, that mission changes sometimes. So I think one of my missions right now is the Gresham Police Department. I'm a chaplain there. That's where I go to. That's my mission field. And if somebody needs something there, boy, I'm there. So my, my question for you and what helped us clarify our mission is, what's your mission field? Like, who is it that God is sending you to? And is it specific? Because where I got lost is I'm like, well, everyone's my mission field. And then you know what that really meant? Nobody is. Because I, was, I can't pray for everybody. I mean, I can, but it would be like, Lord, I pray for everybody. It doesn't really, but there's, some, there's something that the Lord is asking you to do that he's put you there, that he is preparing you for. It reminds me of the words of God to Isaiah as he is saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? His voice still echoes. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Would you be willing this morning to say, here I am, I'll go. And, and it may be to Africa, or it may just be to 30th Street. Are you willing to go? Because the Lord's praying for you, and he wants to continue to equip you for the mission he has. Let's pray. Lord, I don't understand why you would call any of us. Uh, I can only imagine the disciples as they're hearing your prayer and going, wait, you're going away, and, and, and I'm supposed to do what you're doing? Like, I'm not qualified. But Lord, how you were equipping them even in that moment to step out, to see you uh, work 
to see, you, to see them receive the words that you had given them and that they could pass on to other people. And even your prayer of uh, just gentleness and encouragement that you're going to protect them. You're going to be there with them, even as you call people for, from Hollyview to all the places that you're calling them. That we would be a community of Jesus followers that's on mission to bring the gospel to our world. And Lord, through that, would we see people just drawn to your name. That the world, we know that the Father has sent the Son and the work is complete it's because of our love for one another, because of our service and our laying our lives down for other people as well. And so, Lord, may we respond now in worship to that calling. And would you impress on each one of our hearts, Lord, the mission field that you would have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.